Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In episode 26, I interview my friend Karina Naboa, who is a team local fit coach. In this episode, we discuss navigating nutrition for all levels, from beginner to advanced. We tell our own personal testimonies of some horror stories we experienced uh, growing up and trying to navigate nutrition ourselves and with coaches in the past. Um, Unfortunately, in this episode, I was so excited to get to the topic that I didn't really dive too much into Karina's personal story around just how she got to where she is in the regards of coaching. So potentially I will have her back on as a guest again and we can kind of dive deeper into her personal story. For those of you who like to hear the inspiration and insight from those who are following their passion, which is typically kind of the route I take in these interviews. However, she shares a, a ton of knowledge and information that will help you, like I said, no matter what level you are at in your journey to approaching your nutrition. If you want to learn more about her background, you can head to the Team Local Fit website or to her Instagram. Both links are in the show notes and you can read all about Karina. If you have any questions, reach out to her or myself via DM on Instagram and we would be happy to help. So without further ado, enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast, Karina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. It's funny. We were just talking prior to recording about how back in, I think it was like 2014, I started to get into the fitness scene and met or not met, but started following, I'll say, Lane Norton, Sophie Lee, Lauren Conlin, and you worked closely with them. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe Lane lives near you in Florida? Yeah, yeah, about, uh, I think, like, 30 minutes. (laughs) Okay, so, same city. Yeah, so, kind of got introduced into that crowd, and then now here we are in 2021, able to record this podcast after just following each other's journeys for many years. So I think we can, we can probably have a lot to talk about today along the lines of nutrition and fitness based on the paths that we have both taken. So maybe we can start with just like diving into your story a little bit. Um, well, for listeners today, we plan to discuss like the background of beginning to track macronutrients, like I said, way back when our journeys began near mm-hmm. like 2014. And then from there, go into like, what we've learned along the way, the lessons of, you know, maybe the horror stories around what not to do when tracking, and then how to go into some intuitive eating as it's kind of termed these days, and then how to reapproach tracking macronutrients with a little bit more like flexible of a mindset. So Yeah, I want to dive into your story. Like, when did you start tracking? How did that experience go for you? And then I'll be happy to share mine as well. Yeah, so it actually started with a horror story um, when I uh, started just getting into lifting weights in general. I really just wanted to jump into a bodybuilding competition. Um, I think this is like when Instagram was pretty new and I had found competing on stage Um, and bodybuilding through Instagram. And I was like, I want to do that. That looks so cool. I want to look like that. And so 
uh, I just kind of, through the gym I was attending at that time, there wasn't a lot of like online nutrition coaches and things like that. They were just kind of like local meatheads who ran like their own coaching business. And so I went to an LA fitness right near my house and I was pretty close friends with a lot of the people that I went to um, the gym with around the same time. And so a few people referred me to this one guy who was a bodybuilding coach and um, his approach was really not based in any scientific evidence. It was very much a bro science approach, like a very strict meal plan. Um, he, it was a strict meal plan. And it was also like a meal plan that he gave pretty much every other girl, my size and height, right. Who wasn't like mm -hmm. a male bodybuilder. And so over time, it just got even more restrictive as the prep went on. So I think I prepped for a total of six months. Um, and then those first three months, we kind of had a hard time losing weight. And then the second, second three months we were like okay we really have to cut things down so we got really aggressive really fast and basically my meal plan at that point was I couldn't eat anything that wasn't any vegetables that weren't green the only carbs I could have for maybe once or twice a week were sweet potatoes and rice um, I was limited to about three protein sources um, and the only fat I could have was coconut oil. And I think the last two months, I wasn't even allowed to have any meat sources. He recommended that I take this protein powder, air quotes, but it was actually just an amino acid mm. uh, powder. So it wasn't even protein. So yeah. very wow. low calorie. If I could guess, I was probably towards the last eight to 10 weeks eating you know, anywhere from 700 to 800 calories a day. Wow. So even those last three months, I went from 136 pounds and I was 98 pounds on stage. And then I remember those last two weeks um, before show, I was pretty much waking up and then almost fainting. Like it was just not <laughs> a mm. at all. It was like pretty traumatic for me, especially because when you lose that much weight that quickly through um, that extreme of a means, it is kind of like a culture shock. Mm. And so after that first show, I had another show planned, but after that first show, I could not stop binge eating. Like mm -hmm. the second I got off stage, I pretty much binge ate myself sick. Like I thought I had to go to the ER because I was in so much pain. And I just remember feeling absolutely hopeless that night. Like I really loved being on stage and I loved competing, but I feel horrible right now. I can't even control my own body. Like I was like levitating like toward the country I couldn't like stop myself from eating yeah um, I don't know how but I was going on google just trying to find like some other coaches and solution and I came across Lane Norton mm. and so I reached out to Lane um, via email and at that time he wasn't taking on clients and so he recommended that I reach out to another coach who he had mentored who is Paul Revelia and now mm. he in pro physique and so Paul was actually my first coach and he basically said at that point when I reached out to him um I I tell everyone all the time Paul like saved my life because I <laughs> like, kept dieting and d just kept doing stupid stuff because at the same time even though I was hurting myself I was very like I want to get on stage I want to be the best and I'll do whatever it takes yeah and you think like oh this must be the way it must just be yeah. really hard to achieve yeah. that physique so I must be doing the right thing yeah and so luckily Paul was like no you're gonna not prep anymore like I'm not letting you do this but I was 
so stubborn. <laughs> um, and I said, well, I already paid for this. Like I want to do this. So he said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to transition into tracking macros to get you ready for this second show. Mm. And then he coached me through that second show. And then he coached me through the reverse diet thereafter. Um, but all through tracking macros. And so I basically went from a very rigid and strict meal plan uh, while at the same time, really damaging my relationship with food into now kind of being more flexible through tracking macros, but I was still in that contest prep mindset and still in the mindset of, I have to be hundred percent perfect. And mm -hmm. then tracking macros at first was great. I was like, oh man, I can like fit in some popcorn. Like I haven't had a sweet potato fry in forever. <laughs> and then it turned into this whole other like neurotic behavior that I could not eat anything unless I knew what the macros were. And yeah. that kind of put me down the road to eventually um, ease into intuitive eating. That's kind of where I am today. And every now and then I'll track. Um, but I would say, if we look at the uh, summary of my journey in a whole, it went from super strict bro science meal plan into very strict macronutrient tracking, still very damaged relationship with food, struggled with binge eating for about three years, then moved into intuitive eating um, to where I am now for about the past two years. And now I'll track every now and then um, just to kind of keep myself in touch with reality, especially when it comes to like peanut butters and things like yes. that. It's pretty easy to get a little bit crazy there. Absolutely. Um, now I'm in a much better place overall. Yeah, that's awesome uh, to see you come out on the other side of that. Maybe not the down in the trenches, like having those hard lessons wasn't really awesome, but it's, it's part of the experience. Um, it, I, I think I forgot to preface. I'm, I'm pretty sure most listeners probably know this, but when we're saying macronutrients, it's referring to your carbs, your proteins, and your fats the grams that you're consuming in your diet. Um, and nowadays, luckily we've come so far. So what year was that when you were first prepping? That was 2013. So that okay. was a while ago. Yeah. So what I was going to say is we've come so far in the fact that there's like apps and websites that so many coaches and people have developed to help people understand how to track their macros. And it's, I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent mainstream these days, yeah. but it is definitely trending towards that. So people are not getting caught in the mix of having a meal plan that's going to eliminate so many foods, which leads to unhealthy labeling of foods, good and bad. And that like black and white, all or nothing mindset that can be really just damaging in the long run for like sustainability reasons. But um, I, that's, so my journey with tracking was, um, I sort of, I, I didn't have as much of horror on the front end of it. It was like a really great tool for me to be able to know exactly what I'm putting in my body, make sure I'm getting enough protein. Mm -hmm. um, I was involved in powerlifting at the time. So I really saw it. I really saw food as fuel, like, oh, the more carbs I can get, the more I can squat, bench and deadlift. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a very positive relationship in the beginning. Um, over time is, and you touched on this too, you start to become like so obsessive. It's really hard to keep that healthy relationship because you want to, especially for like uh, powerlifting, which is a weight class sport, you want to be like exactly on if you're trying to maintain your weight, you know, fairly close to your, your class. 
Um, so yeah, I developed habits like trying to be as perfect as possible, hitting my carbs, proteins, and fats to the gram like every day. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of preoccupation with food, which I think when you're doing a sport and you're trying to maximize performance, there is going to be a little bit of that, but yeah. there's, yeah, I think it's just something as you continue the journey to try and stay mindful of, um, when you notice your mind going to like thinking about the next meal or you finish a meal, but you're still thinking about what you ate and like, oh, was it, you know, the right breakdown of macronutrients or was that the right uh, food quality to um, benefit performance? All of these things where you can just get like so food focused that can be detrimental in the long term. So like those were some of the other things I experienced as I continued this journey of tracking macros. But I would say my biggest pain point came when it became such a habit of putting putting food on the scale, putting it into my food app, that this behavior is now just like a part of who I am, that Mm -hmm. going back to eating without a food scale, without tracking it in my phone and the food app, food tracking app, I was just like, how do I do this? I don't remember. (laughs) And so weird. Yeah. And so that was like a scary, um, I, I had a really hard time of letting go of tracking macros because at the time when I was trying to let go of tracking macros, I was about to go into a reverse diet after an extensive period of cutting. And so I pretty much got to a place of like burnout of tracking. And so when it was time to implement a reverse, I had learned over the years that Typically, when you go to reverse, you should have like a systematic method for adding calories back week to week. Um, And so in my mind, I have like a certain number that I'm aiming like, you know, 100 to 200 calories per week is ideal to minimize fat gain that you want to go slow in that process. Um, But because I was just like so sick of tracking, I couldn't like find a way to look at it that I was like, oh okay, let's, uh, it's okay to just track because it's part of this process. I was just like, screw tracking, throw the skill out the window, throw the food app out the window. I just am ready to eat what I want without any kind of like structure to it. Right. So in my mind, that whole process, I was just like messing up my reverse diet, which is like a really shitty way to look at it now that I know, but I know that a lot of people probably experience that because in the process of tracking it's easy to like develop this like perfectionism like the all or nothing mindset that we are talking about and then take that to a place where you're just like so burnt out of the process that you can't even like see your way back to maintenance where you're you know reversing your calories back to like a healthy intake level to be able to get yourself to a point where you don't really need to track everything because you can develop those cues for intuitive eating where you just know how to listen to your body and um, yeah, don't have to rely on a food scale for everything. Yeah, absolutely. I I tell clients all the time that macronutrients or tracking macros can definitely be a double-edged sword if we're not careful. Um, 
to, to generally explain, I think the role that tracking macros has, I think it is simply a tool that you need short-term to actually allow you to eat intuitively and make those good choices. Um, because tracking macros is not bad. It can be a great tool like it was for you. It, it taught you, okay, this is what high protein looks like. This is what is high carb. I can look at that and I can guess that's four ounces of chicken that might have 20 to 30 grams of protein, high or low fat, et cetera. It gives you the freedom mm -hmm. to make those intuitive choices later on. And I tell people all the time, I don't think I'd have as much quote unquote success with intuitive eating. And for me, that is being able to just naturally feed myself for my performance and my own body composition goals. If I hadn't spent so much time tracking and 100%. learning food in general. Um, but it can also very much be a double-edged sword as it becomes obsessive because when you're tracking macros, you're hitting a target and that feeling of, okay, I achieved those targets, that dopamine hit of, okay, I accomplished that, mm. want to be perfect and on point, especially a lot of athletes, I think just have a bit more of a type A personality, especially if maybe you were once a higher level athlete or a collegiate athlete and things like that, you kind of develop this, um, okay, I need to do everything perfectly and I yeah. need to put this on point or else, you know, it's like, I want to be the best. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to be the best. And a lot of, a lot of like competitive athletes, a lot of bodybuilders all kind of have that mentality. And, um, I, I coach a lot of clients who have that, I'm either going to be the best or I'm not that black or white thinking and that mm -hmm. kind of all or nothing. I'm either going to be hundred percent on track. Or I'm just going to go off the rails and binge eat like a whole gallon of ice cream. And I've definitely been there, but <laughs> the issue with that black or white thinking is I think that as we become more neurotic with tracking macros, that then moves into, I'm either going to be perfect with my macros or I'm just going to eat whatever I want. I'm not going to count for anything. I'm going to eat till I'm sick. That's often what I see with clients. And that's essentially what I've experienced myself. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're constantly wave, wavering between those two extremes, not, not only is that incredibly damaging to our physiology, but it's really not great for our mental health as well. And, and mm -hmm. how we view ourselves and then our body image gets kind of ruined in the mix. And so, um, in general, tracking macros is a great tool, but it should never be a crutch for the long term. Um, and so, like, like for now, I'm I'm intuitive eating. But if one day I want to do a cut, I'll track macros because that is much better than being on a strict meal plan. I can still have the freedom that I want, um, but I, it does require a bit more structure in your nutrition to maybe reach a specific body fat goal within a, a specific period of time. But it should mm -hmm. never be obsessively um, uh, like depended upon for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was, let's see, when I was trying to like go into that phase of intuitive eating, um, the big struggle for me was like, okay, I, I know how to track macronutrients and like be a hundred percent spot on. And I know like what is in my food, but I still had that like black and white thinking that you're, that you're talking about. It's like, yeah. but if I go off plan or whatever you want to call it, I'm, I'm like messing up. I'm not following that reverse diet explicitly, but I think I've seen a post from you on this actually, like everyone's reverse diet and just diet in general is going to look different. There is no like, uh, optimal, like there is optimal on paper, I suppose, but then in practice is completely different. Right. And so that's been something that, I mean, I've learned myself, obviously, 
And now with clients too, it's like, okay, we're, we can track macros, but now these are the things to look out for. Are you becoming obsessive about it? And is it like controlling your life more than you would like, or, you know, like you want to be in control at the end of the day. And yeah. then when we do get to phases of reverse dieting or even dieting, like just worry about what's actually working for you. What's realistic for you, like meet yourself where you're at compared to where you wish you were or where you're supposed to be based on like what's been shown in research and stuff like that. So that was a huge takeaway for me and something that I try to like warn others about as possible, <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And not everyone is going to be in the position to track macros outright. If I have an individual who has never tracked macros before, I'll just say, okay, let's just track our calories. And then we kind of take that next step forward of, okay, let's start tracking our protein and then, mm. you know, also hit a calorie goal. And then if we need to, then we'll throw in all three targets, but yeah, then moving into that intuitive eating space, um, from someone who has tracked for so long, um, it can be really scary, really challenging because eating is habitual and we've created this habit to feed ourselves based on, you know, having, I kind of think of it as like, like training wheels or holding onto this railing of this is my target. This is what I get to eat today. And this is how I know when to start eating. And this is how I know when to stop eating is when I've hit a number. And when you mm. take those targets away, the scary part is people don't know when to stop eating. And <laughs> that can be really dangerous, right? Because they only know to stop eating when they've hit a number and they've completely lost touch with what does it feel like to be full? What does it feel mm. like to be hungry? And so it's super important to listen to those hunger and satiety cues because that's actually your body telling you, this is my maintenance. I don't need any more, um, or I might need a little bit less because you're overfeeding me. And if we can move into a place where we can comfortably listen to our bodies while also having this knowledge of what we're feeding ourselves, then I think that's kind of like the unicorn zone to be. Um, just having that freedom, but also having the autonomy and control of your performance and your body composition if you have those goals. Yeah. And I think that's the like big importance of being able to have a coach in the process of all of this, because like funny enough, as soon as I stopped working with my coach and moved into my reverse diet, that's when like shit hit the fan. And I just was like, Oh my God, what do I do? Because yeah. I think my I think anxiety in the moment really clouded me from being able to just like relax and trust my body, those signals, those hunger cues that it was giving me. Cause when you come out of a cut, you're just hungry all the time. So you're like, how much food do I need? Like, I feel like I just want to keep eating. And that's like a, a scary feeling coming out of a diet. Cause you're like, I just worked so hard to right. drop this weight. I don't want to gain it all back, but like okay, so how much do I eat to minimize that fat gain? And I like, I, I believe that having all this anxiety does not benefit the process. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's super tough to navigate on your own after a cut, because as we know, a leptin, our hormone in our body that says, Hey, I'm full. I don't need any more is associated with the amount of body fat we have at the end of a cut, you are very low on body fat, meaning you're very low on leptin, the hormone that says, hey, you're full. So um, they call it a post-diet hyperphagia, meaning that you kind of, even though you might be done with a diet and you're 
you know, lean, you have this insatiable appetite and you're going to likely eat past what you need. Um, and so I think that when you're just getting out of a cut, it's definitely going to be helpful to have someone to guide you through that. Um, and, but also kind of put some restraints because it's really hard to be objective with our own selves um, when we are so hungry and you're not, you don't really have that like bio, that normal biofeedback to tell you uh -huh. when you're not eating. So I think in that sense, it's, it would be important to have, okay, like let's spend this time just staying within these borders. And then as we get further away from the diet, then we can kind of ease into trusting our more intuitive side and things like that. So as yeah. I mentioned, as I mentioned, for beginners who have never tracked before, going from very simple to complex, kind of go the reverse direction for individuals who have tracked for so long and don't know how to become simple, right? So <laughs> go from tracking macros and they're like, I haven't not tracked macros, I don't know how to eat. And so then I will say, okay, just track protein and calories. Okay, mm -hmm. now just track calories. Okay, now let's move into one untracked meal a week. Let's practice eating one and stopping when we're full just for one meal. And then yeah. progressively overload those frequencies of untracked meals into one, two, three, four untracked days a week. And that's kind of how we move slowly into um, someone who has tracked for so long, they forgot how to eat intuitively to being really comfortable with eating intuitively and allowing them to actually put everything they learned from tracking macros into practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a really good like breakdown because you can like go between these two places very seamlessly as long as with the proper guidance. And I think also caveating it with, we know so much more now than when I was like going through these, um, that horror story, I suppose. Um, and cause as you do come out of that reverse diet and get back to a place of homeostasis, then it becomes very, I don't want to say easy, but yeah, once you walk the path of, okay, I know how to track my calories. I know how to track my protein intake, my carbs, and my fats, and you have the whole picture. Then you go into more of like an intuitive eating approach from there, um, slowly over time by implementing those like days of not tracking. So we start to remember what is that like? Um, then it, it's like, okay, I can just eyeball foods from here and I can live my life and have more of like social get togethers and things like that, where I'm not just freaking out about the food all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, the social, um, life is a big one, right? When I think tracking macros starts to take away from your life rather than add from it. Obviously there are specific contexts. Like if you're three weeks out from a bodybuilding show, you're just gonna have to suck it up for the last three weeks. And yeah. either you go out and you don't eat anything at, at all, or you just decide to you know, kind of stay home, watch a movie and things like that. But in yeah. general, you're just like trying to live a general healthy lifestyle if you become so obsessive to the point where you're afraid to even guesstimate macros eating out, then I think it becomes unhealthy or it makes you afraid to even go out. I tell my clients all the time, a social life is part of a healthy life. Like we are tribal animals. Like it's very important for you to go out and maybe enjoy meals and, and practice. Okay. Um, ordering the healthier options at a restaurant or just knowing when to stop and practicing, practicing portion control. And then also trusting yourself to just guess as, as best as you can. Mm. Even if it's not perfect. It's mm -hmm. better to account for something rather than to account for nothing or having a, 
screw it moment and being like, oh, this wasn't perfect. I'm just going to eat my face off for the rest of the night because I ruined my day already. Right. Um, but yeah, we want to make sure that tracking macros is not taking away from the overall like health of our life, including our social health and um, using it as a tool to set us up for a successful intuitive eating experience down the road. Yeah, I think um, uh, just speaking from my experience here, I have slowly started to integrate tracking and I feel like I've reached a point where I'm not burnt out anymore of just like taking it to such an extreme, which it's been, I don't know, almost five years. Like there's been periods of time where I would try to integrate it again. And I was just like, I I really don't want to, like it was. uh, And so there's something to be said there. I think about like reframing the relationship and working through the like trauma that you create when you have these like rough experiences. Um, so taking those lessons and teaching clients, like you were saying earlier, like, okay, let's practice one day this weekend where you don't track anything just so that they're not having the type of experience that I previously had. Um, but now as I go into like tracking things again, I'm like, okay, you need to live more in the gray and be okay with days when, you know, maybe you cook, you have pancakes for breakfast with your family and you don't know the exact recipe, but you just like track something that's like probably close. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you're like, okay, well ballpark it. It's not going to be perfect. But um, I think that's part of like making, uh, I guess like maturing in the process of tracking when you get to that point, like you've tracked macros, you've done intuitive eating. Now it's like, how can we approach this from a much more like flexible mindset? Um, I think moving into tracking again with much more maturity, because the first time I tracked macros around, I was not mature at all. And I definitely took it as eat whatever the heck you want, as long as it fit into your macros, I would do crazy things like have an ice cream sandwich in between two pop tarts. (laughs) And that would be like half of my macros because I was (laughs) was like such a restrictive diet before then. And I was like, I'm going to eat as much junk food as I can as as long as it fits into my macros, I'm going to be fine. But Mm -hmm. have a true understanding of, you know, metabolic health and the role and importance of fiber and micronutrients, you can track your macros, but if you just slam sugar into your diet all day, you're going to run into some long-term metabolic health issues. And so what's really helped me be successful in intuitive eating is also understanding the power of vitamins, minerals, and micronutrients in food and understanding like, this is how we should look at food as a way to fuel, as a way to heal, um, and as a way to just improve our lifespan, health span, and overall lifestyle. Like, um, Food is, has powerful compounds that have these biochemical um, hormonal neurological uh, interactions with our body that really change the way we live if we eat right. And so now when I do track again, you know, sometimes it's like a week out of um, a year or sometimes it's just like a few days out of the week, I'll track just to kind of like keep myself in touch with portion control and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make sure that I am feeding my body the micronutrients it needs rather than just trying to like shove as much ice cream into my macros as I possibly can. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, I, I mean, culturally, it was like a norm there for a while. It was like, how many pounds can you eat? <laughs> yes, exactly. And now it's like, okay, food quality does matter. Yeah. It, it literally it matters in the long term. It matters how I feel in the moment right now in my day to day, all of these things. So that's definitely like a big step forward for the industry that um, it's, it, it's goes back to like, not having that black and white mindset around food, like, yeah, we can have a pop tart if we really want it. But is it going to make you feel that good? Is it going to keep you full? Um, it probably will make you crave more sugar like later that day. Um, and yeah, it, but it's, it's, it's not like a bad food, we don't have to keep it off limits. If you're at, say, a birthday party, and there's cake there, you can have the cake, just know that yeah, maybe like rice or oats might make you feel a little bit better, but we're not going to like label foods and completely ban it or else then you're going to want to eat like Pop-Tarts and ice cream sandwiches all the time. <laughs> I basically took the extreme behavior that I had in the meal plan and then moved it into swinging the other way, uh, tracking macros and just like how much junk food can I fit? Like I'm going to be you know, I'm going to have all this quote unquote food freedom and just eat as many unhealthy things that I can, but it's going to be okay. Cause I'll hit it within my targets. And like to, to an extent, like cal- just having that portion control can be helpful, but your body still needs, you know, vitamin A, like vitamin D broccoli, like folate, <laughs> they're super important as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. So I know you've done like, um, you've done, is it bikini or figure competitions? So I did my first show as a teen in figure. And then I um, competed later on in my early twenties, mid twenties as a uh, bikini competitor. Okay. So, and then uh, on top of that, you've also done CrossFit competitions. Is that right? Yeah. So after uh, bodybuilding, I I moved into powerlifting for a little bit. I did one powerlifting meet and now um, I'm doing CrossFit and I recently competed in my first CrossFit competition a few months ago. Nice. Congrats. So I'm curious, have you implemented any sort of tracking to like improve performance around those types of competitions or did you just like intuitively approach those? Um, I personally, I started out intuitively eating um, simply by just kind of listening to how well I was recovering and how I felt in training the next day because CrossFit and training was way different than it was and just, um, you know, bodybuilding and powerlifting. And so mm. if you didn't eat enough, um, you would really feel it in, in CrossFit or if you didn't hydrate enough or if you didn't have enough electrolytes, you would really feel it. And so yeah, it's just so high intensity. Yeah. So you're burning yeah. so many calories and yeah. Whereas like you can, you can definitely get away with in powerlifting. You, you know, the amount of food is super important and that mm-hmm. you're feeding yourself and recovering, but the, the hit of, okay, I didn't, feel myself enough or I'm not recovering well kind of comes much harder whereas in powerlifting for me it always accumulated over like a longer period of time like I've had a few days now where I'm not feeling so good whereas Mm -hmm. profit like man like I could I pretty much died at about the first half of that workout where normally I can finish that workout and things like that Um, so I started started with kind of just listening to those biofeedback signals like do I have as much endurance as I normally do? Am I getting headaches after training? 
Um, am I, you know, feeling recovered going into the next week of training? And then I started moving into tracking more just so that I could be more consistent with my intake mm-hmm. um, and meeting my performance needs. And depending on the programming and how it changes, I would increase that. But for consistency sake, it helps um, just food around training more so, so I can make sure that I am preparing adequately and recovering adequately. And then I'd be a bit more intuitive the rest of the day, but mm. you know, pre intra and post-workout carbs and protein were really important for me to stay on top of. Yeah. Um, in terms of consistency, good. Okay. Yeah. I, I would agree. I know we've talked about like, um, as a more beginner into like understanding nutrition, it's really important to like set a calorie goal. And then once you're good with that, a protein goal, then once you're good with that, maybe look at all three macronutrient targets. And then I would say after that would probably be like meal timing and then supplements. So I think that's kind of what we're getting into here. Um, and my experience with powerlifting, that was a big thing was like making sure you're eating enough and timing your, your carbs pre and post training. And then even intro workout, sometimes like drinking carbs to make sure that you're fueling yourself and able to recover from like strenuous training sessions. Yeah. And I suppose as you get like closer to a competition, that kind of stuff you can get like really meticulous with, but you can also like, I think as you just become a more advanced athlete, just start to listen to your body and know like, okay, my training session really took it out of me today. I'll probably have a little bit more protein after my session, or maybe even drink some intra carbs. And then as you get further away from competition, you're not as that in that as like um, intense of like a peaking stage, you can probably pull back some of those more um, advanced, I guess, nutritional strategies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, it's definitely something to be said about like tracking for a long period of time and then moving into just, especially if as a higher level athlete. And I also feel like higher level athletes are really good at being in tune with their bodies as well. And kind of mm-hmm. feeling like, all right, this is not how I normally feel and, and things like that. And just kind of being able to say, all right, I need more of this. I need less of this, etc. Yeah. I think that that's something to be said about why athletes um, like periodize their training on like a macro scale. So we can say, yeah. I'm going to be in a general phase of training here. So I don't have to be as strict with any of my like nutritional strategies or training strategies even. And then as I get closer to competition, you kind of get a little bit more intense with like all of the structure and rigidity of tracking everything to like optimize performance. But there's like periods of going through that. Whereas in the beginning, I think it's so easy to think like, if I want to be the best, I need to like go as hard as possible with what's, you know, I'm going to meal time and I'm going to take supplements and all of that because that's going to optimize my training. And then when I am not training, I'm going to like foam roll and I'm going to do all this mobility work and just like go balls to the wall for lack of a better term. But it's like what you were saying earlier, let's make just these small incremental changes in the beginning and like build that foundation and then kind of move our way up to the top as we 
are prepared. <laughs> yeah, I think a great way to think about it is because I think it's super uh, common for people to think that if they want to be the best, they have to do everything perfectly right now. Mm-hmm. But no one became the best overnight. Um, and so being the best takes time and things that take time are sustainable. So, you know, I think that what is sustainable is going to help you be the best. Maybe it's not, you know, going balls to the wall every hour of every single day, but it allows you to have those periods of stress management and then allows you to have those peaking periods where you can really give it your all rather than giving it your all 24 seven and then dying out maybe. Yeah halfway throughout your career, whereas it could have been much longer and you could have accumulated more performance benefits, more strength, more endurance, because you took the sustainable approach. And just to really understand, like being the best doesn't happen overnight. It takes a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so anything that takes a long time, it's got to, you've got to be able to do it for a long time. Yeah. 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 So really like the theme, like when it comes down to when it either, if you're dieting or tracking in any sort of way, like the structure, just making sure that you're enjoying the process of what you're doing. Because if you're actually like resentful towards it, it's only a matter of time before that burnout is probably going to rear its head. And that's what we're trying to prevent around nutrition, obviously around training as well. So we don't get injured, but yeah, um, I've never met anyone who's the best at what they do who like hated what they were doing. <laughs> right, exactly. Enjoyable. <laughs> it kind of has to coincide. Yeah. Um, are there any other like strategies that you find that are really helpful when you're either introducing people to tracking or just like based on everything you've learned in the process now to kind of give them some red flags to look out for or just like beginner tips? Yeah. So um, I really like to take a, what I call it, like a stepwise approach to tracking mm-hmm. macros. As I kind of alluded to earlier, we go from very simple to complex. Um, even before tracking macros, uh, I'll go into tracking something a little bit more quote unquote loosely or abstract is before tracking calories, I mean, we'll track habits. So mm-hmm. if I have someone who has never tracked a calorie or has never like seen a tracking app, I'll say, okay, let's just set these, these goals around our nutrition. And these goals might look like three boluses or three servings of protein per day. Did you do that every day this week? Perfect. Check. You won like that. Mm-hmm. And then using success. that momentum, yeah, using that momentum of success to really keep them going is super helpful. And then another habit tracking thing that I'll do is, okay, let's aim for two to three servings of veggies today. And then one to two servings of fruit. Did you do that? Yes. Check. Awesome. Like I'm so good. This is a super easy. <laughs> Um, I'll set some other lifestyle, like habit tracking goals, like, okay, let's aim to get six to eight hours of sleep a night. Let's aim to get this many fluid ounces of water today based on, you know, your height and weight and uh, performance needs. And then I'll also kind of set this overall general nutrition goal of let's aim to get 80% of our intake from whole unprocessed foods. And then the other 20% can be for whatever more processed, sweet treat, indulgent thing you need um, to kind of keep this sustainable for you, right? So I'll start with that habit tracking and then we'll move into, okay, you know the basics of a healthy diet and nutrition approach. Now let's move into taking those habits into a calorie uh, goal now. So then we'll say, okay, do everything you were doing, but now you have this calorie goal to hit every single day or five days out of the week. If we, if we're kind of 
um, moving them into tracking completely, you'll say, okay, let's practice tracking on calories four days a week and take three intuitive eating days. Mm. And say we move into seven days a week of tracking macros, then I'll move them into the next step of, okay, let's hit this protein goal and you still have this calorie goal and just let carbs and fat land wherever you might want to. Yeah. And after they've done that for a while, I mean, some people don't even need to go past that depending on their goals, but after they've done mm. that for a while, I'll say, okay, now let's aim for this much protein, this much carb, this much fat, depending on their, their body composition goals or their performance goals, we'll add in refeed days. Um, and then uh, I'll also like to try to keep in maybe one intuitive eating day a week or two intuitive eating days a week in, in place of refeed days for those individuals who kind of still want that freedom and don't want to feel like they're shackled to tracking macros over time. Yeah. Um, and so just some strategies there and, and kind of red flags to look out for just make sure that you are, you know, like we alluded to before, trying to create a uh, micronutrients dense, healthy diet, but leave yourself a little wiggle room and give yourself some grace to have like that cookie that you might crave. And for me, it's like ice cream. Like I love having frozen yogurt a few times a week at the end mm, of the day. Yeah. So I'll, I'll plan that ahead of time. And if you're someone who feels like that is going to be the most sustainable thing for you to have that thing that you always crave. I typically would recommend if you are tracking macros or calories, putting that in place first. So tracking that first and then tracking the rest of your day around that. If mm. you have to meet those goals. So you're not kind of finding yourself finishing your calories, but, Oh, I really want this. And now I'm going to go outside of my calorie goal. And then we run into, Oh, I've messed up my calorie goal. I might as well have like three more servings of ice cream and things like that. Additionally, for someone who has never tracked before, um, it's going to be super, super helpful for you to try to plan ahead. It's really hard to kind of just wing um, hitting your macronutrient target goals throughout the day. If you could, at the very least, just plan what protein source you're going to have throughout the day, just plan yeah. something. It makes everything a lot less stressful because tracking macros can be pretty stressful for someone who has never done it before. It feels like very burdensome and like you're doing all this extra work but yeah. you can give yourself so much more time if maybe I used to do uh before I go to bed the night before I would plan maybe uh 80 of my meals and then I'll have like a little wiggle room at dinner like whatever I'm feeling or I'll at least plan like the protein source that I'm going to have at each meal and then whatever I'm feeling in terms of carbs and fats um I'll just wing it by then but especially if I'm super busy like if you are someone who works outside of the house all day right now which I know is a bit more or less common because of COVID and a lot of people are working remote yeah you're to just you know have everything um ready to go plugged into your tracking app and kind of looking more at your tracking app as like a menu for the day and that allows you to just kind of be on aut autopilot and move forward especially if you're super busy but if you're somewhere in between i would recommend having that structure of okay i've planned this ahead of time or i've planned at least 80 percent of my day ahead of time still giving myself a little bit of wiggle room to have that freedom and not feel like i'm so restrained to you know like uh macros or calorie targets and things like yeah that. yeah that's super helpful um something I used to do when I was like tracking macros regularly was prep all of my food or as much as possible as I could at the start of the week so even 
planning your like next day worth of food, but then knowing like, okay, I have all this food prepped in bulk. And that's something that I'll tell clients to do too. So it just makes the process that much easier because say, you know, you work all day, then in the evening you have like hobbies or activities that you're preoccupied with. It just makes it that much easier to like adhere to the process. Absolutely. Another thing I would add is and what you're, what we're talking about here is just trying to make it as easy as possible for you to be able to win and like build that momentum. Cause sometimes when you start a new habit, if you keep like missing the mark and feeling like you're failing and be like, this sucks, obviously I'm not good at it. I'm going to give up. And we don't want that. (laughs) You want to set the bar low, (laughs) like when you're starting. Yeah. Just build up from there because that, um, like dopamine hit and that encouragement and motivation from accomplishing something then encourages that person to okay like let's level up a bit like I know Mm -hmm. I can do this now let's move into this instead of setting the bar super super high then missing that target day after day it's extremely discouraging and then it kind of feels like oh you know I'll never be able to do this this is way too hard for me I'll never be able to reach my goals when that's absolutely not the case so it's definitely important to if you're starting anything new set the bar low make sure that you know the target is reachable and then build up from there yeah have you had clients um who just like refuse to bring the bar lower and just like keep trying to overshoot overshoot and like it's, it's very hard sometimes to get through to clients when that's happening. And it's like, let's like, I, I want to help allow you to succeed. So what, how have you approached those situations? Yeah. So I often see those situations in clients who just feel the need to always do like 150%. Like mm-hmm. they feel the need that every cardio session has to be like, they're almost killing themselves mm-hmm. or like, if it's not harder than it's not working and that's that's not the case (laughs) um and so and oftentimes for a lot of those clients who struggle with over dieting and over exercising and they haven't seen results in a while you'd actually probably see the results you want if you took your foot off the gas a little bit um and so yeah it's really tough because you do have those clients who might be like overachievers or might just want to get to their goal right this second and want to take like the hardest path possible but if you're setting that bar too high and you're missing it and you missing that goal results in maybe um, you being discouraged or you overeating and and binge eating and things like that that's actually going to take longer for you to get to your goal and move you further away from your goal whether you rep whereas if instead you just took like the small steps that move you closer and you know build that momentum to becoming a bit more quote unquote advanced in your plan but i've had that happen where clients are like all right i want to get aggressive right now and Mm. they have the intention but they miss it and then they binge eat and so um if they for example i have i have clients who try to diet on lower macros to try to get a bit more ahead of the the game in terms of trying to attain fat loss we don't need to get that aggressive so quickly um Mm -hmm. if you 
you know, and, and they're missing those targets because they're too low and it's causing them to binge eat. But if we right. were less aggressive and you binge ate less, we'd actually be moving closer to your goal. Yeah. You know? It's like that's kicking that down the road. <laughs> yeah. So that's where, you know, maybe being more aggressive um, upfront is not going to be the best for us. We have to really work our way up to that. Yeah. I think in those situations as a coach, um, and if, if someone listening is like currently doing this, like seek out the education. I mean, I think we've done a really great job of explaining it today, why it is important to like bring that bar a little bit lower so that you can achieve that goal. And it's actually going to bring you, bring you forward. But yeah, as a coach, I think it just comes down to educating the client about the process and really making sure that there's like that trust established so that um, yeah, they, they adhere and all of that. Yeah. Also really empathizing with the client as well. Like I get it. Like everywhere we look on social media says like, you know, more extreme is better. Harder mm-hmm. is better. Like mm-hmm. the harder you do something, the quicker you'll get there, but that's not always a narrative for every individual. And so, um, you know, I'll say to clients like, listen, I, I know that everywhere you look, it says to eat less and then you'll lose more body fat or X, Y, Z or, or run more and you'll lose more body fat. But given your diet history, given where you are in your relationship with food, um, your training, yeah. history, that's going to be very different for you. And this is what we need to do right now. And that's why you hired me as a coach to tailor a program for you. Yeah. And, like drown out all the other advice that you might be getting from wherever. Um, and just understand that the plan I've made for you is specifically for you, for Courtney's diet history, for Courtney's training history. And that's going to look very different from everyone else's. Yeah. I think that's two really important things you touched on there. Um, for someone newer to nutrition is what was, what has been your dieting history and then where, where are you at with your relationship with food? Because I've had clients who come in and they are like labeling food black and white, but they think that's the right way to view food. And so they are thinking that, okay, I just need to stay away from the like highly palatable foods in order to reach my goals. And then that's like that, that's literally the first thing that needs to be addressed before we even try and like go into a deficit, just work on that relationship with food. And then we can start looking at like, you know, tracking and being at maintenance um, or calorie balance and all of those things. But I think that's easy to overlook to just like try and kind of rush the process, if you will, to like, okay, I want to get to the goal, but it's like, actually that's part of the, the way to the goal. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that, that makes so much sense is, and it, it's counterintuitive to a lot of people, but mm. I think as coaches who have seen, like, I know this works if you would just listen to me, um, but <laughs> it's hard to just tell someone to do something when all they've known is to do something a certain way, or they see hundreds of other people do this and it works for them, but, mm. um, you know, it's not a one size fits all approach for sure. Yeah. And even like, I think taking into consideration the, like, what is the culture you've been brought up in? Like, how have you seen food? That was a really big thing I learned in yoga teacher training is like how different cultures, 
cultures around the world and different sports, different types of athletes, the way that they view food and how that like plays into the picture. So yeah, having empathy there. Um, yeah, is there anything I, I else like tips or tricks you wanna share with people? Um, I would say, so we kind of talked about uh, tips and tricks moving into tracking. And then I kind of want to explain the other end of that. If you're someone who is super obsessive with tracking, how you would move into eating intuitively and then a little extra, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to let go of tracking because it's how they uh, control their body weight or it's how they control their body composition where, Mm. you know, like I've really been preaching and have been able to practice. You can actually still maintain the body composition of your ideal um, through intuitive eating obviously like if there are changes you need to make you need to measure some things but once you get pretty in tune you can do that so um and i alluded to this previously but to kind of just explain it all um more a bit more thoroughly if you Mm -hmm. have someone who has tracked seven days a week for the last three years straight and doesn't know how to eat i would then move them into okay let's move from tracking every meal seven days a week to tracking every meal except for one one day a week and so then I'll say okay let's have one untracked meal day and I typically will structure that untracked meal to be an untracked dinner because Mm -hmm. if it's at the end of the day we kind of um, avoid any issues of letting it turn into a whole untracked day um, of just binge eating and, and freaking out and continuing to binge eat so before that untracked dinner, I'll have them hit targets to, or I'll give them targets to hit between breakfast, lunch, and snacks. Okay, uh, so they still have like that railing that they're so used to holding on to. Yes. So between breakfast, lunch, and snacks before your dinner out or before your dinner at home, hit these targets. The goal with that is to make sure that people don't go into the untracked meal too hungry and mm. overeating there and maybe resulting in a binge eating episode. Again, individuals who have never or don't, forgot how to eat um, after tracking macros for so long, use tracking macros as kind of a restraint mechanism. And so when you take off that railing, people typically tend to binge eat. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, um, hit these targets so that you're not going into this untracked meal too hungry, but also that you're not going in overeating and then, you know, kind of worrying about if you're eating too much at the untracked meal as well. Yeah. Um, those targets. And then <clears throat> once dinner time comes around, I want you to just enjoy the meal untracked. Don't put anything on a food scale. Don't put anything in your food app. Just really focus on being like present with yourself mm. when you're eating and listening to yourself to stop eating when you're full. And Also just being realistic about the fact that it might not go so great the first week or two or three weeks. Like it's going to take you and it's going to be okay. Like if we mess up with like the world's not going to end, we'll get right back to tracking the next day and then we'll give it another try. So then we'll kind of advance from an untracked meal to, okay, let's do two to three untracked dinners this week. And then we might move into, okay, let's do a few untracked dinners and now let's do a whole untracked day where you still have those habit goals to hit but you just don't have you know a number target to hit 
and then really focus on, okay, start eating when you're hungry, stop when you're full, um, still kind of hold on to those foundational principles of getting enough fruits and veggies and protein and water and sleep, just normal healthy lifestyle goals. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of taking that stepwise into, okay, let's track macros, then let's have one untracked meal or let's track macros. Now let's, un now let's track just calories. Now let's track calories five days a week and let's not track anything two days a week. And then let's add in a third day, a fourth day until you're seven days a week, not tracking anything, eating intuitively. Um, a lot of people will find that they'll say, oh, I pretty much eat the same things I normally eat, but I just don't put it on a scale first or I don't put it in my macro app um, because I just know what to eat and I know how to feed myself. Mm. And I listen to my body. And typically when we're already at a body composition we're comfortable with, we kind of just have to maintain that rhythm outside of tracking, you know, calories and, and macros. And that's where people are really able to maintain body composition that they want to be in while eating intuitively. And then I would say in those cases, it's also going to be super important to make sure you keep your training intensity higher as well. If mm. you might to overeat and in that sense using that few food as fuel you're eating more your body now has a greater capacity to train harder run faster etc yeah yeah really great advice thank you for sharing all that um because on the other side like bringing it back full circle to where we started tracking macros is just a tool and it helps like just raise awareness of the food that you're consuming but it can be taken to this unhealthy extreme where it kind of becomes like a handicap. But yeah. if we learn how to like unlearn that behavior, then we have that food freedom of intuitive eating where we can just eat. And now that we've gone through the process of tracking, we understand kind of like what our body needs, as long as, you know, our goals are aligned with where we started kind of thing but then you kind of know how to navigate that path and then when you are ready to go into a phase maybe of tracking again say you have like a competition coming up or you just want to change your body composition or something like that we yeah. can reintroduce tracking again and maybe in that stepwise fashion so that you can just make like as minimum effective as a dose of change as needed in order to go in the direction that you want to go and make that progress and make it a sustainable approach. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was super helpful. All the knowledge that you shared, I'm sure listeners will greatly benefit and yeah, it was a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you about this. I hope your listeners found this helpful and yeah, I, I'm, I really hope that we we're able to shine some light on kind of the double-edged sordidness of tracking macros, but to know that you should just use it as a tool and um, use it to more so enhance your overall health rather than like cripple your lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, can you just share where listeners could find more about you? I know you work with Team Loco Fit, so where would it be best to get in contact with you if they have more questions? Yeah, so um, you can reach me at Karina at teamlocofit.com. We also have a website where you can find my email at just www.teamlocofit.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. I'm pretty sure that's like the only uh, social media platform I'm like active on. And mm -hmm. it's just my name at Karina Naboa. Okay, perfect. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. So if listeners want to reach out, look for it there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. Our goal with this show is to help you understand how to build embodied strength, trust, and confidence around movement and nutrition so you can get past perfectionism, living in extremes, low self-esteem, and start living the sustainable, balanced, and empowered life you know you deserve. If you're currently struggling and looking to transform how you feel in your body, this is your calling to apply for coaching. Head over to our website and get started. And while you're there, sign up for our email list. You'll get a free download of our one-month program called Intro to Strength and Wellness. And if you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. By following along, you will begin your journey to the pursuit of authenticity, also known as life the life of creating ourselves to be exactly who we are supposed to be. Thank you again for your support and see you next time.